What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bitchipedia podcast. I am Dahlia Bradshaw, your host, and I want to talk today about the cycle, the pattern that I am noticing in my life, and that is the restrict and binge cycle. Now, I have a diagram in front of me that I'm looking at, and I wish I could show you guys, but you can look it up um, because it might help you to kind of see things in a different way. And it's basically disordered eating. It's a disordered eating pattern, right? Um, and of course this applies to my eating habits because, uh, but because how you do one thing is how you do everything. I noticed that this restrict and binge cycle was bleeding into every aspect of my life. It basically permeated, not just my eating habits, but my sex habits, <laughs> to put it bluntly, the way that I was interacting with people, even going out and having fun or going shopping and buying things. Um, and then it basically permeated not just my eating habits, but every aspect of my life. So not just eating, but also when I was hooking up with people or when I was going to visit people, when I was spending money. It's this sort of cycle of overindulgence and then shame and regret. So let me walk you through this diagram that I'm looking in front of me. Um, it's, let's see, it starts at the top with restriction. So again, this is talking about food in this diagram, but you can apply it to any aspect of your life and notice if this pattern is kind of emerging. So restriction, overall food intake, and or certain foods. So let's say with food, you cut off uh, anything unhealthy, you know, processed food, whatever. So you try to restrict your diet or you try to say, I'm not gonna go hook up with any of these guys who are bad for me, right? Or guys or girls, whatever. I'm not gonna go hook up with any of these people because, you know, they're not good for me. And I know that, and I would stay in that restriction phase, but you feel good about it because, and this is the fucked up part, but we get um, this sort of pride from deprivation, you know, that like there's, I think I talked about this last week, but I, I realized that there is no reward for depriving myself at the end of this life. I'm not going to get a medal because I suffered more than other people, especially because I suffered unnecessarily. You know what I mean? Like, I am so lucky and so blessed. It's honestly ridiculous. Some of the stuff that I worry about and that I try, it's like, I, it's like, I want to suffer. Like I'm addicted to the suffering. Right. So then that kicks you into the next stage of feeling deprived physically, mentally, and emotionally. So now we've restricted ourselves. We haven't done it. And now that voice in your head is starting to be like, uh, hello, like it's time to eat or we need to go over there. We need to call that guy, whatever the thing is that's coming up. Right. And then you move into the next stage, which is that overwhelming urge to eat. You get these intense cravings. Um, I say hookup because this is something that I've been dealing with within like the last couple of weeks. Is it weird that I just come on here and talk about my sex life to you guys? Like, as I'm saying it, I feel really embarrassed, but I'm like, just, I'm just being honest with you. Um, but that was one of the big things was I felt like this guy that I'd been hooking up with for a long time, like this is a steady thing. Um, 
but it's not serving me anymore. And I kept thinking like, maybe he's this bad guy. So that was when I moved into that restriction phase, right? It's like, I don't need to go over there. And I put it very much in black and white, all or nothing. And then I would feel deprived in not feeling that connection. You know, it's not even about sex because it's never just about sex, right? Um, I was using it as a way to feel something, validation or love. It's not really love, but it's something that kind of seems the same, right? It's intimacy and all the hormones and, you know, the cuddling and things that happen after. It's like that used to be enough for me. And then it stopped. So I would restrict myself and then I would start feeling deprived. And then you get the overwhelming urge to eat or the overwhelming urge to get drunk and start drunk dialing people. This is all purely hypothetical, obviously. And then the next stage is to binge slash overeat. And then you feel out of control around food. Same thing with this guy that I was talking about. Like I get this overwhelming urge and then I go over there, we hook up and I would start to feel out of control that I wasn't in control of making my decisions, right? Like I knew that in the long run, it wasn't going to benefit me to hook up with this guy. I knew that. I knew that this wasn't serving me anymore, uh, but I didn't want it to end. <laughs> like, I know that I should say no, but also there's a deep part of me that's like, I don't care. I don't care. Like it's the sugar cravings, basically, you know, like it's that almost addiction feeling. And then you get a feeling that out of control is the next stage, which includes shame, guilt, and fear. And I would say that that would be like the morning after, after I've made the decision and I tortured myself the whole time, right? Because I've restricted, I've felt the deprivation and now I did it. And rather than just being satisfied that I did it and be like, okay, well, you know, it's done now. I would shame myself over it. And again, this applies to food, but what the way it really came up for me was through hooking up and I felt this shame afterward. And I wanted to, I'm addressing that too, of like why I feel shame. And it's because, you know, I was raised in um, a church that thought your value as a woman decreased <laughs> by the amount of times that you had sex, you know, like you're tainted. So every time I did it, that old programming and truly religious trauma would come up for me. They would say like, your value is going down. You are less of a person. You have less of a value now because you gave yourself away. You gave away your precious flower to this man. And because I have in the restriction phase, I have convinced myself that he is a terrible person. I feel guilty. Like it, that makes the shame so much worse. And then that's where the cycle repeats and goes back to step one, which is restriction. And then you start all over again. So you're like, okay, I feel really ashamed. I'm not going to call him anymore. And then you go no contact maybe. Right. And it's swinging from one extreme to the other. And that's what I realized restrict and binge. There is no balance in that. And if you've listened to this podcast more than, I don't know, twice, more than two episodes, you know that I've done copious amounts of Libra trauma. And I joke about it, but realistically, I think everyone here in this world is here to teach you a lesson. And the fact that I have no Libra in my chart whatsoever, in my Zodiac chart whatsoever, um, and I'm still surrounded by them all the time. And it's never Libra women, ever, only Libra men. So that feels 
pointed also, you know, like there's a reason for that too, but Libras are all about balance. And I'm realizing, like I said, this is not just my eating, but it's everything. It's that feeling where when I was doing the 30 days of pleasure, I was afraid to give myself 30 days of pleasure because that felt like a huge binge moment. Right. And I knew like at the end of it, it's like, okay, if I binged this much, there's going to be a lot of shame and a lot of restriction coming back after this. You know what I mean? Like it's that feeling of like, if you go on vacation and you throw your diet out the window and you're like, whatever this week I'm going to enjoy and just eat normal. Normally I think that you could do that like in a perfect world. I don't want to say normal people, but like stable people who have achieved balance, I think can do that. I think they can go out for a week and have fun, live it up. And then they're like, all right, Monday, we're back at it. And they don't shame themselves. Like that's what the healthy cycle looks like. Right. But because I feel like I'm always swinging from one extreme to the other, I think it's hard to, to kind of let myself have fun. And like I was saying, the 30 days of pleasure, I made a TikTok about it where I was like, you know, I've been treating myself with pleasure, like an alcoholic treats uh, alcohol that basically if I let myself have even a touch, then I'm afraid I will just like swing out of control. And that's what happens, let's say with the restrictions bench cycle with eating, that's what would happen is like, I would allow myself to have, I mean, it happened last week, same thing. Last week I got a pint of ice cream because that was something I had been craving um, for like weeks, but it just kept coming up. And I was like, you know what? You should treat yourself, treat yourself to ice cream. So I did, I got a little pint. And as soon as I finished eating it, immediately the voices in my head were like, you're disgusting. I cannot believe you just did that. And that is when the shame kicks in and we go back to restriction. But then when restriction wasn't coming, because I was trying to work through that, right? Of like allowing myself, giving myself grace and giving myself room to kind of indulge and binge even, you know, on things like pleasure. That's okay because everyone, you know, has those moments. I was terrified. I'm always terrified that I'm not going to be able to come back from it. So the fact that I wasn't restricting myself kind of started to send that part of me into a panic, that part of me that wants control, right? The perfectionist part of me. Um, and then because I put so much of my value, I think, in the way that I look, because I was told that for lots and lots and lots of years, right? That. I, I was made to feel like that was the most important thing about me. And that was the most valuable thing about me. Even when I was waiting tables and I would go in to, you know, try to make money. If I didn't wear makeup, you made less money that day. And again, that could have been, you know, just like self-fulfilling prophecy because now I wear so little makeup and it's so refreshing, but like, it's, it's taken a lot out of me because that again is where people saw my value. And I know people joke and they're like, you're really pretty. I've even made the joke before, right? When you say something dumb and you're like, thank goodness you're pretty. But that's kind of the energy that I had my whole childhood. And I think a lot of it had to do with like, you know, undiagnosed autism of people not really understanding a lot of the things, like the way that my mind works necessarily. But they're like, you know, she's cute. Like she's adorable. And I think that a lot of people 
Uh, I think I got away with a lot of stuff because of the way I looked. And then, of course, that fear came in me as I'm, what, 32 now. You start aging and you start worrying because our society puts so much of a woman's um, value on youth and beauty. And the second that that starts fading, it's like, so what then? Like, what then is going to keep me safe? You know, if I don't have my looks to fall back on, what then? So then when I gain weight, it doesn't feel like, I'm starting to get emotional. It doesn't feel like my pants just aren't going to fit as well. Or, you know, people are not going to maybe hit on me as much. Like it feels truly dangerous. And my body and my brain is in panic mode. Like, what are you doing? You can't let it slip. Like you can't, you have to be perfect or you're not going to be loved. That's the perfectionist part of me. And if you listen to the episode last week about IFS therapy, that integration therapy, I went to that part several times in meditation. I went to that part, that perfectionist part. And all she thinks is that she's keeping me safe. So if you're someone who suffers from perfectionism, that part of you just thinks that it's doing its job to keep you safe. And you can do through this therapy, right? That you can visit that part and tell it like, hey, we're going to give you a new job. You don't have to do this anymore because perfectionism does not bring us love. Like if perfectionism was the answer, I would be living my literal best life right now because I've had years and years and years of practice of just holding myself to this obscene standard and that's what, I think that's what creates this kind of binge restrict cycle is like perfectionism. It's like drive, you know, you, you can't let your, you can't let yourself have any cheat days, you know, and there's no, like no breaks, just push, push, push. And then you drive yourself to the end when you're still not achieving it because again, perfectionism is not the answer. So then when you get to the end of it, you're burnout. You're like, why have I restricted myself? Why did I rob myself of all of this pleasure? And then your brain starts telling you, none of this actually matters. All of your work means nothing. Just binge, just binge, like lose control, just binge. And then you fling in the other direction, overeat, overindulge, overnap or whatever it is, you know, the anything, even a good thing is a bad thing if there's too much of it, right? So that's what I would do is I would find something and be like, well, it's not bad, it's fine. And then just do too much of it and then immediately shame myself. And I told y'all, I think I told y'all last week that my uh, tough love friend, as I call him on the podcast, he was talking about basically making a decision. And he pointed out to me that I rationalize a lot of my decisions, not just after, but also before. And I was catching myself, like before I would make a decision, let's use the example that this guy was hooking up with. It wasn't even about hooking up. It was the before, it was the stress and they're restricting myself from going over there and being like, I need to hold out. I need to hold out. I don't need to go over there. He's bad for me. This isn't serving me. I'm doing this, you know? And then, and then I would talk to friends about it and I would call them and be like, what do you think? Like, what do you think I should do? And God bless my friends. Honestly, I don't know how they didn't like backhand me and just be like, snap out of it. You know, like I can hear myself, even on my Snapchat memories. And this is like a vulnerable moment for me, but like on my Snapchat memories, I watch them now. And I'm like, how did my friends listen to me talk about this person repeatedly? Like, how did they not just at some point be like, bitch, just go fuck him. I'm sure that they did, you know, like just go over there. Like, what are you doing? But that was the thing was I was not, I was, it was the indecision 
And the guy who pointed out to me is a leaper, by the way. So he was like, you know, you swing back and forth a lot and you don't make this decision. You try to rationalize it to me afterwards. It's like, just make the decision and stick to it. And I was like, damn, that's actually really good fucking advice. So I have this piece of paper in front of me at my desk. And it was, of course, because of course the universe, as soon as you're like, okay, universe, I'll do it. I'll be decisive. They're like, okay, perfect. And they give you the perfect opportunity to do it. And they present you with the thing that's like here. It's not, I don't like to call it a test, but for lack of a better word, a test. They're like, okay, well, here's your test to prove that you are decisive. Here you go. Do with it what you will. And then my fucking phone lights up and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Come over. And I was like, God, damn it. So I was like, all right, this is my moment. I need to make the decision. And not based on anything that I had done before, right? Because sometimes it has been a good decision or at least it hasn't hurt me. But this time I was like, no, this is going to be not beneficial for you. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper that says, my decision is not in all caps to go. They put no in the corner, like, no, my decision is no. And then I had to stick to it because that was the whole thing too. Is like, I would torture myself. And that's what I was saying earlier. I got addicted to that part. Like I realized it wasn't even about the sex. It was about the before and after that I was addicted to because I was addicted to the before where it was like, hey, should I go? What should I do? What do y'all think? This and that. We psychoanalyze him. Like what the fuck? Who even gives a shit? This doesn't fucking matter, but we do it anyway for hours or days or weeks. And then I go over there and then the sex doesn't matter, right? Because it's like, eh, whatever. I, I have anxiety the whole time. So I don't even get to enjoy it. And then I leave. And the shame kicks in. And then I rationalized to my friends why I did it and why it's okay. And that's what I told him. Like I was, I was rationalizing my tough love friend. I was rationalizing to him like, well, this, you know, this is why I did it. And he was like, I don't, you don't have to rationalize anything for me. Right. And I had that written down somewhere. Oh my God. Where is it? You do not need to defend your actions. But I did like, that was the part that I caught myself getting addicted to was the talking about it you know? And then when I caught myself, I was like, I'm so fucking sick of listening to myself talk about it. Like, I'm not even addicted to it anymore. It's, it's just annoying now. Like it's annoying me, you know, it's too much for even me. <laughs> like, and so I, I kind of withdrew and that's when I was observing the binge restrict cycle. And was like, okay, maybe like, maybe this whole thing is that I just have to make a decision and stick to it. And if I if I will, you know, we talked about overcorrecting, if I'll just kind of allow myself grace to find that center, um, the only way to find it is by going too far in one direction, right? Like the only way to find the line is to cross it and be like, oh, well, that one was too far. <laughs> so I had to allow myself to make mistakes, which was also difficult because remember the perfectionist part is like, excuse me, why are you making mistakes? People are not going to love us if you don't act exactly this way right so all of that stuff kind of blurred together and I am recognizing you know step, step one is awareness so I'm recognizing the pattern and I'm trying to just kind of smooth out how much I do stuff and kind of try to find my balance which obviously has been the learning lesson for like years but I feel like now I'm finally like closing in on it they're like yes I see the light at the end of this goddamn Libra tunnel that I have just clawed my way deeper and deeper into for the last several years and I'm hoping that once I achieve this then the next Libra that I meet will be like the healed Libra you know what a plot twist that I end up with a Libra anyway but 
again, that's not the goal. The goal is for me to be the balanced one, right? And maybe the opposite of that is that I attract no Libras ever again. <laughs> and that would be okay too. That would be okay too. But they're romantic as fuck. Like I got to give Libra a little bit of, you know, grace. But you know the slander on this podcast. Like I can, I can only do so far. Um, but I hope that that helps. And if that's something that you struggle with, with eating, like I'm obviously not the person who's equipped to tell you anything about that. The only thing I can do as far as eating disorders go is to tell you, like, you have my sympathy. And if you find out the answer, give it to me because I don't know either. But just kind of noticing if that pattern is anywhere in your life with anything, and it can be big or small, you know, and I feel like the bend and the restrict, like there's levels to the shit, right? You could be bending a little bit and then restricting a little bit of just like kind of light things that don't really matter, but you're like, yeah, well, I could bring a little more balance into that, you know, um, maybe like sleeping patterns or something, nothing like super high risk, um, but we, we can, swing into the other direction where things do start to actually get like risky and start to be um detrimental to us and of course i don't hope that for anyone i hope that we can all kind of like yank this into balance but i have found that the key in this experience has been to give myself grace just like when you're doing yoga you know when you're in a standing pose if you're in a, like tree pose where you're or balancing pose not standing but balancing pose if you're in tree pose and you're on one foot and then you fall, me as a yoga teacher, I'm not going to run over to you like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, push you down off your mat. Like, why are you even trying anymore? You know, it's like, okay, well, we fall and we make adjustments and we stand back up. Like, now we know that was leaning too far in one direction. It's like, okay, we stand up. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, well, back up. And it's like, it's like, little, you know, like a little toddler learning to walk. Like, we stumble and we get back up. And allowing yourself to fail has been a huge thing for me as well. Um, because remember, perfectionist. So that's the key, I think, is to give yourself grace. And that's something that I'm going to be working on throughout the next, I don't know, probably the rest of my life. But specifically the next week, I'm really going to focus my intentions on making decisions and sticking to them and allowing myself to have whatever the thing is so that I don't feel deprived, right? I think the first part is to stop restricting ourselves and to move from there, we won't have this overwhelming urge to eat. And then, you know, like when you're starving and you're eating food and you're, you've been starving for the last week and then you come across a meal and you eat it and you're like, I don't know when I'm gonna eat again. Sometimes that's how urgent it feels with everything and if we can just tell ourselves remind ourselves like the food is not going anywhere the love is not going anywhere the whatever it is that we're seeking is not going anywhere we are safe like reestablishing your safety and really truly getting into your body that has also helped me somatic um healing and things like that there's lots of stuff that you can google um to get back into your body but like tapping and things like that just really embodying um, that stability and that sense that like nothing is going anywhere, everything's fine. So you don't feel the need to binge and then you don't feel the shame that comes after that leads to just more restriction. So I really hope that helps and I hope you guys have a great week. If you haven't followed me on social media, again, I'm gonna put the link in show notes so you can follow 
at the Dahlia Bradshaw on TikTok. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I got for you. Uh, so I hope you all have a fantastic week. Good luck with the balance. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.